and welcome to episode 55 of Killer Hangover. My name is Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this week we have true crime and paranormal stories from the state of Rhode Island. Yes. And we have our drink substitute, Tur. <laughs> Turd? <laughs> our drink substituter. <laughs> Here this evening, my stepdad, mom's husband, Tom. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. I'm glad to substitute for (laughs) drinking. (laughs) So I have the true crime story this week, and mom has the paranormal and the beverage, and it's super cute. I know, isn't it? It is. What are y'all drinking? Okay, this is a little hint as to what the paranormal is going to be about, but this is called a vampire kiss martini. Mm. And y'all... I even coated the rim with sugar. Yes, there's like a cute little glitter sugar rim. It's red sugar. Okay, let's try this. Cheers. Cheers. So it's in a martini glass, and it looks great. It's the red sugar rim matches the drink. Oh, did you tell them what what the ingredients are? I I mean, it would be a great uh, Valentine's drink, too. It looks beautiful in the martini glass. Way to pick that up, Tommy. It would be a great... It's also for Halloween if you put a pair of vampire teeth maybe in it. Or you could do like a black even sprinkles on the outside. Ooh, yeah. Actually, it's really nummy, so you could really have this anytime. (laughs) Just making excuses What does it taste like? Um, well, what does it taste like, hon? Um, a martini with vodka. (laughs) (laughs) The red passion that you added gives it uh, sweetness, of course. Red passion? (laughs) It's a a passionate drink. So it's good. It's, it's, um, you know, sweet. What's red passion? (laughs) Do I need to leave the room? (laughs) Okay, the ingredients to make this, I'm sorry, but the ingredients to make this is one and a half ounces vodka, three-fourths ounces raspberry liqueur, one and a half ounces sparkling wine, and then the red sugar for the rim. I knew my husband would be helping me with this, and he hates raspberry, so I picked something else. You should have seen me at the liquor store standing in front of all the liquor going, what's the most red I can get? <laughs> are there I have many w- options? There are a few, and some of them are really pretty bottles, but you can't see the liquor. Uh-huh. Like there was one strawberry cream. Oh. And I brought it up to the front, and I go, do you know what color this is? <laughs> and the guy looks at me and goes, uh, it's probably pink. <laughs> I'm like, doesn't look like blood. <laughs> Oh, no. So I picked this. It's it's actually pretty good. It's I, I'm not going to say it right. Alice, A-L-I-Z-E. It's actually from France. It has exotic passion fruit. That's where you got the passion. Oh, there's the red passion. <laughs> and cranberries. And delicately blended with premium French vodka. Oh. And it is actually called Red Passion. Wow. And it is a liqueur. And since it already had vodka in it, I didn't add any of the vodka. So it's basically this (laughs) and sparkling. But it's still a martini and it's still a vampire kiss. So obviously the other option would be to go with With regular vodka. And then you put in Osti champagne sparkling. I I did. And that's a little on the 
the sweet side. Very much. So if you go with uh, Corbeau or Chandon, drier sparkling, then it wouldn't be as sweet. So that's, you know, option B and what, Chambard? Uh-huh. And um, so, you know, that'd be another way of trying it, but, but you this is cool. Like... <laughs> It'd be interesting to try it the other way. So, you know, I can handle it. <laughs> what does it taste like, though? Because I can't taste it. So what does it taste like? I can smell it. Well, you know, it, it tastes like, uh, um, you know, a straw- <laughs> strawberry-flavored martini. Are there strawberries the sweet side. in there? There's strawberries in there? But I thought that was passion It, it, it kind of has a, a strawberry flavor to strawberry. it. And um, <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, something you just sip on. Yeah, most martinis are. We've learned that the hard way. So my opinion is that it tastes like wedding punch. Oh. Or spiked with vodka. <laughs> spiked with a little <laughs> bit of vodka. Yeah. Oh, all right. Happy Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I do need to leave the room. <laughs> All right, sweetheart, enjoy. And we are going to sit back and record. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for all your stories. I listen to them every week while I'm running. Aw, thank you. All right, Mom. I have a very twisty, topsy-turvy story for you. Oh, I can't wait. So sit back, enjoy your vampire kiss, whatever that is, and uh, enjoy. Okay, our story begins on August 31st, 1990. A young married couple, Adam and Elena Emery, stop at a seafood stand at Rocky Point Amusement Park in Warwick, Rhode Island for dinner. The two sit in their 1985 Ford Thunderbird on the side of the road enjoying their crab cakes and chowder. Num. I know that sounds really Maybe a beer to go along with that. Okay, rub it in. I don't think of either of those things being car foods because <laughs> they're true. eating it in their car. But we don't live there either. But hey, so. maybe it was delicious and they couldn't wait to dive right into their food. Right. I also have to mention that some sources claimed that there was another couple there with them in their car, enjoying their crab cakes and chowder in the back seat. But others never mentioned that there was another couple in the car. Mm, so interesting. Okay. I'm not exactly sure if there was or if there wasn't, but gotcha. Anyway, they're enjoying their seafood when a car driving by sideswipes their car, smashing Adam's taillight and then speeds away. Oh. This just infuriates Adam, and he decides to chase after the red Ford LTD that had hit them. Mm -hmm. So Adam speeds off, and Elena believes she sees the car. There it is, she shouts. Go get him. And at his wife's words, Adam speeds on chasing down this red car. The couple are yelling out the window at the car in front of them. Elena yells at her husband, cut him off. I mean, it's just this huge, dramatic scene, and she's just... And she's pushing him, like, go, get him, cut him off. You and I have been there. I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring it up. Fine, I'll tell the story super fast. <laughs> we were, I don't even know where we were. We were heading downtown. We were in downtown yep. Kansas City, and we we're driving through this intersection, and this lady did not stop at a stop sign and totally rammed right into my SUV. So, And then drove off. And then sped off. Well, I saw her and where she sped, so I turned through the gas station right there, and I started following her. You dropped Alex off. I dropped Alex off so there he so the he police. could get... Yeah, and he could get witnesses and everything. And I'm following this lady. I'm assuming it was a lady. It looked like a woman when she hit me. It mm-hmm. looked like a woman. And so 
I'm following this car, following this car and following this car. I'm like going around all these blocks and I'm not now. Now, Adam, they were speeding like it was a road chase. I wasn't road chasing this guy, but (laughs) all of a sudden this car stops and this gentleman gets out of the car and he's like, why are you following me? (laughs) And I said, why don't you tell me? And he's just looking at me Uh. and I go, oh, well, somebody hit me and it looked just like your car. And he's like, where'd you get hit? And then I'm like, right here on the side of my car. And you can't, there's like nothing there. There's a dink, but like you can't even see it. And, but she hit me hard. She did. I was sitting in the back but seat. But I it turned was, yeah. towards the direction that she was. So like if she was hitting me from on my left side, I turned to the right. So it wasn't as hard of a blow, if that makes sense. Plus I kind of slowed down when it happened and turned to the right. So she would hit my side instead of my toddlers in the back so I just yeah but she got away hit and run and then I ended up following this poor man around downtown Kansas City. He was very Kansas nice City. and understanding He was though. very he courteous really was. after I told him what had happened but anyway we're just gonna move on. Adam and Elena are chasing this car with pure anger and I was upset yes because this woman hit and ran or this vehicle hit and ran my vehicle but they are just infuriated well can you imagine you're sitting there enjoying your lunch they weren't moving were they no they were literally they just were parked just on the side of the there. road so yeah of course they were mad rightfully so but stop standing up for him right there okay okay <laughs> just gonna say that okay Adam speeds ahead, and after about two miles of this crazy car chase, Adam cuts off the driver of the red LTD parking right in front of it. Elena insists that Adam takes her double-edged army knife with him to confront the driver. Adam gets out of his car and notices the driver's side window is down on the red car, probably to be like, you know, what's going on? And Adam begins to yell at the driver. I'm going to kill you, he yells as he walks towards the red car. The driver of the red car puts his car into reverse, but before he can get away, Adam Emery jumps onto the vehicle, slashing at the driver with the knife. Oh my gosh. The driver is injured and swerves, causing Adam to fall off the car. The vehicle smashes into a planter. A young 17-year-old jumps out of the passenger side, yelling for help. An off-duty detective lived on the street that the event took place on and came running to the scene. The driver of the red car, 20-year-old Jason Bass, was slashed through the arm and stabbed in the heart. Oh my gosh. Jason was announced dead on the scene. Jason Bass was a manager at a concession stand at the Rocky Point Amusement Park there in Warwick, Rhode Island. He was off work that day, but had driven to the park to give a ride home to a friend who had just ended his shift. That's the kind of guy Jason was. A good guy. A responsible guy. And later, analysis and trial for his death would confirm that he was not the driver that sideswiped Emery's car. Yeah, I was going to go there. Adam Um, served eight months in jail, studying Italian and practicing his beloved martial arts. And his lawyers were busy negotiating a bail deal until his trial. Mm. Now, I have to be honest here. Researching this case was difficult. I tried to learn more about Jason, the victim. I learned he had five brothers and one sister. He had a beautiful obituary with tons of wonderful, beautiful comments. I read that he was born and raised in Providence, Rhode Island, but couldn't get any more facts than that. Just that he was a good, hardworking guy. 
His cousin, as well as the friend he picked up from the amusement park, were in the car at the time. And that evening haunts the boys to this day. Oh, I bet it does. The men to this day. They had never seen anyone as angry and aggressive as Adam when he came after Jason. I just can't even imagine. I mean, they're just some guy is going to go pick up a friend from work and bring him home. Just an innocent night. And all of a sudden, Especially this car starts chasing them. They didn't even do anything. They exactly. don't even know where this is coming from. No. I believe his cousin is even like, dude, we got to lose him. He's drunk or something. Like, they just had no idea. Mm-hmm. I also couldn't seem to find facts as to if Adam received bail. I'm assuming he did because the trial did not begin until November 5th, 1993. And research said he was only in jail for eight months. Okay. So I'm assuming he got out on Mm -hmm. bail until his trial. So like I said, the trial began on November 5th, 1993. And like I said, previous analysis done on the paint that was scratched into Adam Emery's car did not match Jason's vehicle. Not that that matters. A driving infraction like that is not deservant of being stabbed to death. No. But the fact that Jason Bass was literally a total innocent bystander makes this case even more sad. Instead of a full trial, Adam was offered a plea deal in exchange for lesser charges. And with this plea deal, he would still serve a, a much lesser prison sentence of five to seven years. But he refused to accept the deal. What? Adam Emery insisted that the killing was done in self-defense. Quote, I told them, stop the car or I'm going to stab you. They didn't heed my warning. Unquote. They were scared to death. They were kids scared to death. That is what Adam testified in court. It's really sad because relatives of Adam even stated that Jason was to blame for his own death. Elena's brother was quoted as saying, quote, he was trying to have fun with Adam. Adam was the real victim. Oh, jeez. Unquote. In a quote I read on People.com from Jason's brother, Ray, he stated, quote, nobody ever came to our family and said they were sorry. They've never shown any remorse. Unquote. In the Unsolved Mysteries episode covering this case, which was season seven, episode three, they called Elena a time bomb of emotion. At one point in the hearing, Elena was heard muttering, it's my fault. She could be seen with clenched fists and a clenched jaw and just looking very tense. Mm -hmm. It is said that she truly blamed herself for egging her husband on during the attack. Right. None of Adam's testimony seemed heartfelt or remorseful, though. It actually seemed very rigid and even well, basically, it just seemed rehearsed. Like he was told to say that. The trial. By his lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The trial ended on November 10th, ironically, Adam's 31st birthday. His birthday gift was being found guilty. Yes. In awaiting his trial for his sentencing, Adam was released on a $270,000 bail. So he's guilty, but now they have to await trial, which is scheduled for a month later for what his sentencing would be. Mm-hmm. Until then, instead of going to prison, he paid his bail of $270,000 and he's out out on bail. Mm -hmm. Local camera news crews were there covering the trial and interestingly enough, captured an odd moment at the end of the trial. The video, which can be seen on that Unsolved Mysteries episode I mentioned before, shows Elena and Adam kind of huddled together discussing something. He makes no facial recognition. He's just stone faced, no emotion. And she's actually like really emotional and she's very, I felt it looked very like demanding. Um, 
trying to ease him, but like a very commanding presence and whatever she was saying to him. That was my interpretation, but I can post a link to that on our website and our social media. We will come back to this video. I just had to mention that. Okay. So like I stated, Adam is free on bail pending his formal sentencing. It was scheduled for one month later. So here is where our story gets really topsy-turvy. I'm going to fast forward to 6.53 p.m., about four hours after the conviction. Okay. A bridge supervisor and state trooper discover an abandoned vehicle on top of the Newport Bridge over the Narragansett Bay in Rhode Island. The vehicle was left with the keys still in the ignition, its parking lights on, the engine still running. In the backseat, the trooper discovered clothing, nicely folded, cash, credit cards cut in half, and the driver's license belonging to Adam Emery. Oh, boy. But where was Adam and where was Elena? Just so you realize how large this bridge is, the highest part of the bridge is 219 feet above the water. The bridge covers two miles across the Narragansett Bay. Wow. So it's a very large bridge. Yeah. And it actually has a toll in crossing it. So Mm -hmm. cameras. Mm -hmm. The vehicle was blocking the westbound lane in a busier time of day on the bridge as well. People heading home from work and such. But where were the Emery's? Did they jump? Or perhaps they escaped Adam's possibility of 20 years behind bars. We have a rough timeline of events leading up to the abandoned car that I will walk you through. And then I'll let you decide what happened. Oh, no wonders unsolved. Okay. The couple left the courthouse around 3 o'clock. Around 3.35, the couple arrives at Kell's Sporting Goods Store. The manager said that Elena led the couple, which from what I understand in my research, she was the more dominant of the two. Mm Mm-hmm. She didn't seem nervous or anxious. She knew what she needed, and they made their purchase. They purchased athletic socks, sweatsuits, and 80 pounds of strap-on exercise weights. Yeah. Now, from there, your mind might be leaning more towards jumping. Weights to weigh yourself down in the water. Yeah, okay. Maybe this will throw a kink in your thoughts when the manager told police that Adam was very upset and aggravated when the cashier told them the cost of the items. If they were going to commit suicide, why would he care about what they're spending? Right. The next time the couple were seen was about 30 minutes later, quote, calmly dining, that's what bystanders said, at a local fast food restaurant. Hmm. Again, I personally find that a little out of character for people about to commit suicide. My last meal choice would be some really fancy schmancy meal or why would I even eat? Here we go with a little more twists and turns. At 4.45, the couple pulls up to the Newport Bridge and drive through the toll at 4.50. The Emerys are seen outside of their car on the bridge walkway, but then at 5.15, they drive away. The couple then comes back to the bridge And that's when their car was found abandoned at 6.53. But the camera didn't catch them getting out of the car? At this point, they're away from the toll. Oh, oh. They're like in the middle of the bridge is where their car was found. Once they realized whose vehicle this was, there is an extensive search for the bodies of Adam and Elena. They use sonar, search dogs, divers, and dredgers. The bodies of the two are not discovered. Initially, investigators believed that the couple had jumped but the bodies aren't found. Then the lead detective, Detective Hopkins, remembered that courtroom footage Mm -hmm. of the couple after Adam's conviction earlier that day. 
They analyzed the footage and eventually Hopkins took that small little clip. I mean, it's literally like less than 10 seconds long, Mm -hmm. but it just stuck with him. He takes this clip to a person who is actually hearing impaired and has learned to read lips. Oh, great. What is it that Elena is saying to Adam Mm -hmm. is the question. After some analysis, the expert states that she is stating, quote, we're going to do what we originally said. You promised me, unquote. So again, is this a suicide pact or is this some scheme for the couple to get away? The Emery family believes that the couple committed suicide, describing the couple as devoted and even quoting Elena saying that she used to say all the time, quote, I could never live without my honey, unquote. Now, let's get a little conspiracy Throughout the month following Adam's disappearance, Adam Emery was seen apparently numerous times in Connecticut. But it's really unfortunate because at this time he's still legally free. Ugh. And he can't be considered a fugitive. Remember, he's out on bail for a month until the sentencing. So if he's seen, so what? The day before Adam's scheduled formal sentencing, the FBI receives a tip that Adam fled to Florida. And apparently weeks after that tip, Adam Emery was seen in Florida. From there, it is believed, and this is what the FBI believes, he headed to Italy, where he has some family. Oh. Now, the FBI has been in communication with the Italian authorities regarding the sightings, but none have led to find Adam Emery. In the search around the area and in the bay, they just, they kept searching. And then, nine months after the disappearance, a fisherman found two human leg bones snagged in one of his nets. There was a fragment of sock that was basically identical to the socks purchased at the sporting goods store. Oh, my gosh. The bones were taken in for analysis, and a forensic anthropologist said that with 85% certainty, the bone was from a male no more than 5'7", and Adam was 6'1". Again, investigators are at a standstill. In comes unsolved mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a year since the Emery's have been missing and unsolved mysteries comes out to Rhode Island to film. Once they're finished filming and they're actually wrapping up, there's a huge turn in the case. Oh, on August 30th, 1994, Detective Hopkins gets an urgent call from the harbor stating that they discovered a skull in the Narragansett Bay. Analysis would later positively identify the skull to be Elena Emery's. Oh, my gosh. There are so many theories and questions, but unfortunately, there's no hard evidence to support any of the suspicions. Quote, in my mind, I think that Adam knew that he wasn't going to serve any time at all. Unquote, said Jason's brother, Raymond Bass. Adam Emery was legally declared dead in 2004. But then in 2010, Adam was placed on the FBI's most wanted list. Even though he was declared dead. They obviously brought him back from the dead (laughs) because the FBI put him on their Mm -hmm. wanted list. And in 2019, the FBI stated that there was a significant chance that Emery would be tracked down within the next five years. Oh, good. I, of course, will post photos on our website and our social media with a description of Adam. But he is six one. He worked as a salesman in plastics. I think he sold boats. He had no scars or markings. Blue eyes, very dark hair. Honestly, he's a very common looking dude. And 
I just, from all the research I did, I think he's a total complete narcissist and I don't think he killed himself. No. I like, you know, I love my conspiracies and all, but I just think he's a total complete narcissist and I think he might have even tricked her into jumping and him, I don't know. Oh. And he just left. So you- And she was so guilty with blaming herself that it was all her fault that I mean, maybe she even was like, yeah, I'll jump and you go on and they'll think you jumped too. So you wonder can get who away. the other guy was. The guy wearing the socks, the legs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who the, I don't know who those legs belong to. Weird that they only found her skull mm-hmm. and only his legs. Well, they weren't his legs. No, only the guy's legs. Well, it's a huge bay. I'm sure... I'm sure other people but there's other bodies I'm sure that are in that bay bodies of you know but if he was really wearing the socks that resembled the ones that were bought at the yeah but the even the algae that was in the socks didn't match oh nine months of being in the water okay so he has nothing I think it was yeah okay but that skull was her that skull was her and 80 pounds of strap-on equipment okay so if you're going to weigh yourself down with rocks, like people put rocks in mm-hmm. there and, you know, it's terrible to think about. But 80 pounds, do you think 40 per person is an, an enough? Do you think that that's what they were kind of thinking? Or is she thinking she was going to hold all 80 pounds? Does 80 pounds seem like enough? I don't know. I don't know For either. two people. I guess it depends on your strength and how much you weigh. and They're jumping 219 feet. I'm sure there's a lot of mathematical stuff that goes into it. Wouldn't a jump from that high kill you anyway? I mean, I don't know. I mean, bridges aren't that high and people jump off of them to commit suicide and they die. That's why it's a topsy-twisty-turvy story, Mom. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that guy is just awful. Yeah, yeah. And I watched the Unsolved Mysteries case episode first. And you know how they're, they're really dramatic. Mm-hmm. And so it was showing like the chase scene. And then she's like egging him on and really dramatic about it and everything. But then when I was doing, started doing my reading research, I was like, wow, that she was really egging him on. And that's why I think there prob- probably was another couple in the car that testified all of that because... Mm-hmm. I don't know, she was really, she was like, kept saying like, this is all my fault. This is all my fault. And it was a two mile super, like he drove in front and parked in front of him to cut him off. Like it was a huge dramatic thing. So that road rage. I know it's, I have to admit, I have some of it. If somebody cuts me off or something. Alex will be the first to tell you. I love my horn. (laughs) When we lived in Charlotte, nobody honked there. And nobody used their blinker. Do you remember that? <laughs> and they would just merge to get off of a highway and never, nobody ever used their blinker. And then here's Beth <laughs> right behind them because I hate that. I hate that with a passion. Uh, I could tell she, that girl's not from here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Moving on. Moving on. Forget that fool. Forget that fool and come on board to meet some other fools. <laughs> Great. Okay, I'm really excited about this. She's been so excited about this. Because it's something that we have not ever covered. And of course, I think you've run across this also looking for paranormal in states. We've gotten to the point where it's a repeat. Yeah, we like to keep it fresh, keep it different. So 
That's why we love the listener stories. Yes. So keep them coming. Hint, hint. So by now you probably have guessed what the subject is going to be because I told you the drink had relevance to that. Is that a word? It's a word, but I'm trying to guess here. Would it be vampires? Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. In Rhode Island? I know. Ah, the vampire. I never, I don't know about you, but I've never really gotten the whole vampires are so sexy thing. Well, Twilight was kind of like, I guess that was my time. I, I never I read really the got books into it. And, and just, uh, but even my sister, when I was talking to her, and she doesn't really listen to us because she doesn't like the topic, but... Um, when I told fine. her, we're, we're, no, that's cool. Yeah. But when I told her that I was going to do research into vampires, I swear I could see her swooning, even <laughs> though we were on the phone. But she's like, oh my God, I love vampires. What is up with that? Well, <laughs> Edward Cullen loving. Okay. <laughs> so there are hundreds, as you know, hundreds of books and movies about vampires. And I've just picked out a few of these. So here are some movies uh Bram Stokes Dracula mm -hmm. The Lost Boys mm -hmm. uh 1992 Buffy the Vampire Slayer I did like Buffy 1992 Sleepwalkers was a book by Stephen King 1994 The Vampire Chronicles by Anne Rice 1996 From Dusk Till Dawn written by Quentin Tarantino oh, okay gosh oh, gotta love a Quentin Tarantino my god <laughs> I had no idea. So, Joe. Yes. Says, oh, Bettina, you're going to love this movie because he loves, he really likes Quentin Tarantino. Which, I had just so listeners know, Joe is my Aunt Christine's partner. Yes. So, he's, and we share a lot of the same common interests and likes and everything. So, I'm like, okay, Joe recommended it. I'll go for it. And Clooney is in it, you know, and I thought, yeah. oh, this is going to be great, whatever. But it's Quentin Tarantino, mom. You have to prepare yourself. It's uh, It was right after we saw Hollywood or the true story. Uh, what was that called? Yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, That's which right. loved that movie. But anyway. I did. Oh, my gosh. That loved was that movie. I've seen it three times already <laughs> now because I just. I wished it really. I wish, wish it really turned ended out like that, that way. Yeah. But <sighs> anyway, so I'm like, yeah, okay. Woo. I had no idea it was about stinking vampires. <laughs> God. The end of it, I'm just sitting here like, oh, I need another drink. This is <laughs> unbelievable. I can't believe I'm watching this. <laughs> anyway. Oh, no. That was from Dust Till Dawn. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> then 2008 to 2012, um, The Twilight Saga by Stephanie Meyer. And even kids have vampire-themed movies like Scooby-Doo and The Legend of the Vampire. Well, yes. <laughs> yes, my boys love their Scooby-Doo. Yeah, well, they're, yeah, yeah, really <laughs> like Scooby-Doo when she was growing up. I love Scooby-Doo. Anyway. And they like um, the originals, and Aiden will even say that. This is an original, right? I'm like, yes, it's an original. Because there's so are, many different series I know, now. They totally are, but the originals are great. They are. 2017 Disney Juniors Vampirina. Yes. Yes. So Vampirina. We're even starting them off really young. <laughs> even songs have been inspired by this theme. One which surprised me is Bonnie Tyler's Total Eclipse of the Heart. 
Do you know that song? Yeah, I do. But it was a huge hit and written as a vampire love song. No way. I had no idea. Bizarre. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm never going to listen to that song again. The same again. Ever. I'm really going to listen to it now. Well, I'm going to. I. Okay. I mean, I'm really totally don't know what happened to my words, but I will not listen to it the same ever again. Right. But I'm really going to listen to the words and, you know. Yeah. So anyway. So where did stories about the vampire come from? And what in the world does this have to do with Rhode Island? Why is this in Rhode Island? (laughs) Stay with me. Some researching this topic say that there's evidence of vampires being mentioned in ancient Egypt as a demon summoned into the world. Mm. The Asian vampire's name is Chongqi, translated stiff corpse. Ew. <laughs> this creature, okay, I'm sorry, it's probably terrifying, <laughs> but this creature hops. <laughs> but I'm imagining a stiff corpse hopping. Hops <laughs> along and sucks the life out of people it comes across. But it's it hopping. Ho- it hops because of Rick and Mortis. <laughs> Scooby-Doo episode. Why can't the people get away from a hopping? <laughs> I want to suck your blood. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had to laugh while I was even reading that. <laughs> Belief in vampires surged in Europe in the Middle Ages. Anything unexplained or different or bad was blamed on the supernatural or paranormal. Well, of course. For instance, if a baby is born with teeth. Ooh. Well, but you'd know that it the baby wasn't cursed no just you know or born with a deformity or even if someone commits suicide these were all thought to be evil omens a drought or epidemic were looked at as a curse and when these people combined their fear of curses with their fear of death well then you go one step further and say that those that have recently died have come back with evil intent oh boy And it makes sense that these dead beings have to nurture themselves somehow. And by sucking the life out of the living, they rejuvenate themselves. Now, stories about vampires biting and sucking your blood is actually a more contemporary concept. Okay. Okay. What was the original concept? Just they suck the life out of them. I'm just picturing like hocus pocus. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Did you picture? Okay. Oh, yeah. That's what I was just... And when doing this, I totally, that's what I thought of. In 1966, bones were uncovered in a yard about 20 miles outside of the city of Prague. This poor homeowner was digging for his water line, whether it had broken or something. He was going to dig to fix it when he unearthed an entire skeleton. My gosh. Authorities were called. But the bones were identified as 11th century bones. Holy cow. So a forensic anthropologist was called in. The first thing he found strange was that the body was laid to rest lying north and south instead of the normal east to west. Did you know that bodies are laid east to west? Well, then that makes me think about last week's episode because those people were... I thought about that, but I didn't want to give away what I was doing. So I didn't say anything. (laughs) Whoa. I mean, they'd still be laid east to west, but they would just be west to east. (laughs) No. So usually, I guess, I don't know if this is still, but this was, people are buried 
facing east so that they could face the, quote, new day and the rising sun, which explains the eastward facing burials. And it makes sense that the Son of Man would arrive from the east. So when I was looking this up, I also looked up, why do we bury people six feet deep, right? Yeah, why are Where'd they that six come feet from? under? Yeah. Okay, so six feet under comes from a 1665 outbreak in England. As the disease swept the country, the mayor of London literally laid down the law about how to deal with the bodies to avoid further infection. Oh. So that's where hmm. six feet comes from. Well, as you were doing that, I googled buried facing west, and it says... Although Christians are traditionally buried facing east, clergy members are generally buried facing west. The belief behind this is that when the dead are risen, clergy will rise facing their congregations ready to lead their people once again. That's exactly what I was going to say. Wow. But if they were to raise, they'd be facing the woods (laughs) and everybody was facing the road. So they're all raising back to back. No wonder that cemetery <laughs> is haunted. No one can lead Everybody's anybody. backwards. <laughs> no one can lead anybody out. All... The cat's hey, just slinking around. <laughs> cat man. Oh, okay, move on. I'd rather talk about vampires. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. 14 graves were discovered. In this man's backyard. <laughs> Did he ever find his water line? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. What happened when they laid the water line? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> 14 bodies. And they're out there like scientists. So it's not like they just get him up and take them. They're out there like researching in his backyard. All the skeletons were found with their skulls in strange strange positions and their hands had been bound oh wow through scientific investigation it was determined that the people buried had not been executed in life but rather that their graves had been desecrated and the damage to the skeletons had been done to immobilize the corpse of a suspected vampire their heads would be pulled by hand from the body oh and placed upside down so the suspected <laughs> vampire couldn't see where it was going. <laughs> Still going to hop and get you anyway. Without a head. This is so hocus pocus. <laughs> like, well, that's terrible. I mean, they really believed this, though. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it was not always prudent to wait for the dead to completely decompose. Oh. I mean, you have to take care of the problem before the vampire's time to make the first move, right? So the body would be dug up shortly after it had been placed in the ground. What greeted the villagers was a gruesome sight, made even more so when you know nothing about decomposition and putrefaction of the body after death, right? These guys didn't know anything about that. Intestinal, I'm going to gross you guys out, but this is science. Intestinal decomp causes bloating which in turn can force blood up into the mouth, which can seep from the sides of the mouth. Okay, so, so the villagers saw so this blood this person's going dripping from the mouth blood. and surmised oh. that it was the victim's blood from the night before. Oh, wow. They also saw a rudy complexion to the skin. This was very possibly due to post-mortem lividity. 
So it like turns whitish? No, it's ruddy. It's what's ruddy? It's what color is that? It's color. It's a coloration. It's no, but what more color? like red, red, yellow, red, purple, ruby, ruddy. Okay, like you can have ruddy cheeks. Like if you go outside in the cold and come, you know, you're I say rosy. <laughs> Rosy cheeks, ruby cheeks. Those are red colors. <laughs> Rudy, I have never heard of. Move on. Well, now do we know what we're talking about? <laughs> I learned a new color today. <laughs> okay, so like I said, this is very possibly due to postmortem lividity, the settling of blood because the heart is no longer circulating it. Okay. Okay. The villagers also noted that the fingernails had grown. This visual can be explained by the skin shrinking and pulling away from the nails, making them look longer. A stake was thrust into the heart of the corpse, not only to stop the heart, but also to nail the body to the box which held it. Oh, interesting. Okay. In certain circumstances, the heart was taken out and burned. If the drought or illness continued to spread, the entire corpse was exhumed and burned. Now, there are steps you can take to protect yourself from a vampire. Garlic. We've all heard of carrying garlic. But here's one I had not heard of. Human feces. Ew. <laughs> Let me go grab my feces. It was spread on the chest at night. Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. Obviously, vampires do not like feces. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> oh my gosh people did that yeah so i think i'll stick to the garlic but <laughs> yeah oh another method to stop a vampire is salt okay carry just too carry a bag of it with you and if you're being chased by a vampire simply dump the salt behind you as you run it is thought that the vampire who i guess is obsessive compulsive <laughs> has to stop and count each crystal <laughs> of salt before continuing the chase. No. Oh, and if you don't have salt, you can use like bird seed or sand. So really just throw anything with <laughs> anything a lot of really small yeah. like you can throw. <laughs> count that. <laughs> Stop take that. It's count that, Dracula. That's how he got caught Dracula. <laughs> century the pope decreed that anti-vampire activities were not accessible not accessible <laughs> were not acceptable oh, okay and in 1755 the czech empress declared vampire hunting illegal now this is about the same time as european immigrants were heading to america bringing all this bringing hoopla with, with their them. vampire superstitions <laughs> with them Okay, now and their salt and their feces <laughs> and their garlic. Well, their feces is coming with them, unfortunately. But you know. <laughs> their chest covered feces. Everything or their oops. No. Now their we jump to 1990 and Griswold, Connecticut. Two little boys are playing in a field and find a skull. Police oh, determine great. that it's more than a century old, and the Connecticut State Archaeologist Nick Ballantoni is called in. He determined that the hillside contained a colonial-era farm cemetery. 
These cemeteries were not unusual in New England, but there was something different about one of the graves. The head was taken off. Bell and Tony found a skeleton in a very peculiar position. It had been beheaded. The ribs had been fractured and the skull and thigh bones rested on top of the ribs and vertebrae, making the, the skull and crossbone motif like okay. poison or mm-hmm. sailors, you know, have the, the pirates, I should say, not sailors. <laughs> okay. You know, the Navy. They just <laughs> <laughs> Named after the initials found on the brass tacks on the coffin lid, this 50-something male skeleton from the 1830s became known as J.B. Still very puzzled about this finding. Justin Bieber. (laughs) Bell and Tony called a Rhode Island folklorist, Michael Bell, who studied New England vampire exhumations for the past 30 years. Wow. He has documented... That was his job? Well... yeah, he's a folklorist. So wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, to, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, wow. Yeah, legends and folklore. So you called him and you talked to him? No, I wish I'd had, but no. <laughs> he documented around 80 exhumations. Some of the graves go as far back as the 1700s, but most are from the 1800s. Just a side note, because of the gaps in years, it's thought that the vampire scare had nothing to do with the well-known 1690s Salem witch hunts. Oh, so it's a totally different... Totally different thing. Belief. Interesting. Griswold, Connecticut, sits right on the Rhode Island border, where Bell had discovered multiple exhumations. Many of the skeletons have been found as JBs, the bones having been messed with and then reburied. Bunch of Justin Bieber followers. (laughs) Because of what he learned from Bell... Bell and Tony even made sense of JB's rib fractures, which probably happened when the accusers Steak. were searching in his chest for his heart. Oh, so they, they could took burn his it. heart out. Mm-hmm. Oh. Bell believes that there are hundreds of, quote, vampire graves, but many of these are no longer identifiable and exhumations as a whole are kind of frowned upon. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> can't just go and dig up old cemeteries. So you have that. But there are other methods that he uses to study the topic. He reads handwritten records, which he finds in town hall basements. Oh, fun! He consults tombstones and old cemetery maps. He interviews uh, descendants. And what surprised me was that evidence about the vampires can be found in old newspapers. And these articles are not exactly scarce. For example, in neighboring Jewett City, Connecticut, there are newspaper accounts from 1854 of townspeople exhuming suspected vampire corpses to stop them from rising from their graves to kill the living townspeople. Even Henry David, I have a problem with his last name, Thoreau. Thoreau. That one. (laughs) Talks about an exhumation in his journal on September 29, 1859. Talking about books, if you want to dive deeper into this subject, Bell has written a book which ranks among the top of the list in this topic. I'm sure. It's called. He's a literal expert on vampires. Food for the Dead on the Trail of New England's Vampires. (laughs) But he's found so many more cases since writing the book that he's writing another one on this subject. So what happened to even start this vampire panic? Well, if you study the timeline, you'll see that the hysteria happened during the tuberculosis outbreak. I'm going to refer to that as TB from now on. Or what was then called consumption because it consumed the patient from the inside. 
The disease was the lead cause of death throughout the Northeast, responsible for almost a quarter of all deaths. Remember JB? Justin Bieber. Mm -hmm. Even his forensic tests show that he had suffered and probably died from a lung disease. Like TB or something? Like TB. Exactly like TB, yeah. Because this disease spread so fast, whole families contracted it. And even though they were diagnosed with the disease, many of the survivors blamed earlier victims of the illness, saying and believing that they had become vampires prying on later family members. Oh, shoot. In their minds, exhuming the grave was the only recourse. What they did to the corpse differed a little from place to place. In Maine and Plymouth, Massachusetts, the corpse was simply flipped over, facing down in the grave. That's a lot nicer. It is. (laughs) In Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Vermont, the heart was often pulled out of the cavity and burned. Sometimes the sick were made to inhale or even eat the ashes as a cure. These exhumations were often conducted at night, but sometimes they were a big deal. For example, in a 1793 town history of the Massachusetts, Vermont, hundreds of townspeople came out to the heart-burning ceremony. And this is a quote. Timothy Mead officiated at the altar in the sacrifice to the demon vampire, who is believed was still sucking the blood of the then-living wife of Captain Burton, dot, dot, dot. It was the month of February and good slaying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like sledding, slaying, not slaying. Oh, I mean like <laughs> slaying a vampire, slaying no. a dragon. <laughs> slaying. No. Okay. Okay. This takes us to Rhode Island and one of the last vampire cases in New England. 19-year-old Mercy Brown, better known to her family as Lena, Mercy Lena Brown lived with her family in a small dying farm community of Exeter, Rhode Island. In December of 1882, Lena's mother, the first family member to die of TB, Lena's 20-year-old sister died the next year. A few years after that, Lena's big, strong brother, Edwin, was sick, but went to Colorado Springs hoping to get better. Lena fell ill nearly 10 years after her mother had died. Mm. She died in January of 1892. Lena's brother, who had come back from Colorado, he had gotten better for a while while he was there, but now he was really sick. So... The Browns' neighbors, probably afraid of getting sick themselves, suggested to George Brown that maybe one of the Brown women was undead. And according to the Providence Journal, quote, feasting on the living tissue and blood of Edwin. Oh, my gosh. Better safe than sorry. The neighbors wanted to exhume the bodies and check for fresh blood in their hearts. George gave them permission but wanted nothing to do with it. On the morning of March 17, 1892, the bodies were dug up. Now, it had been about 10 years since the death of Lena's mother and older sister, so the corpses were They're just bones. skeleton, yeah. But Lena, who had been buried only two months before that... Oh, no. ...in the winter... Oh, so it was all kept fresh. ...was well-preserved. Her heart and liver were cut open and clotted and decomposed blood was found. Well, yeah, blood would be found. There was only one <sighs> thing to do to save Edwin. Lena's heart and liver were burned and Edwin ate the ashes only to die two months later. Oh, shoot. This poor dad. Can you imagine being put through that? Mm-mm. The whole town, no. like, bullying you into digging up your daughter and then saying she's undead and then burning her parts and making his son. And that poor guy. This Lena's story made the news. 
Yeah. For one, a reporter was in attendance mm-hmm. as they did all this ritual stuff. He was from the Providence Journal, and so, of course, he reported on it. Then a well-known anthropologist, George Stetson, came to visit the area. He published an article about New England's vampires in American Anthropologist Journal, which was read worldwide. Wow. I don't know if our listeners have read Brom Stroke's Dracula, but some say that the character of Lucy in the book was inspired by the story of Lena. Mm. In Dracula, Lucy is a teen who contracts TB and turns into a vampire. She's even exhumed in the novel as Lena was. Wow. Interesting. We all know that there are many legends about vampires. These are two I had not heard of. According to a Romanian legend, to find a vampire's grave, you need a seven-year-old boy dressed in white and a white horse. The boy is to sit on the horse, and then the two are freed in a graveyard at midnight. (laughs) Poor kid! The horse is free to wander, but whatever grave the horse stops at is the vampire's grave. (laughs) Or maybe the horse got hungry and found something to eat. (laughs) But that something could not possibly be on the grave, because as American legend has it, nothing can grow on a vampire's grave. Oh. Or maybe so many people go to visit the grave that they trample anything. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> I know. I'm just kind of always doing that. Mom. I like the way Belle explains these supernatural beliefs that are so hard to understand in today's world. And he is, he said, when I, when I do this research, I look at the people as they are just as intelligent as we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, well, he says people find themselves in dire situations where there's no recourse through regular channels. Sometimes superstitions represent the only hope. Well, shoot. So are there vampires today? And the answer to that is yes. (laughs) Graves aren't exhumed anymore, but they don't have to be. Today's vampires are of the living, breathing human kind. They don't turn into bats. They don't stop to count salt crystals. (laughs) They don't die when sunlight hits them, and garlic does nothing to them but gives them bad breath. (laughs) What they do is drink blood. Well, most, but not all of them. Logan Smith, who not only identifies as a vampire, but is also the king of the vampire court of Austin, which happens to be the largest vampire organization in the U.S., explained in the September 22nd, 2015 YouTube video, Top 10 Questions for Real Vampires, that, quote, a vampire is a human being that requires an alternative source of human energy. One source is human blood. Okay, that's gross. Some vampires actually require it to sustain their energy, but it has to be done with a willing donor who has been screened. Oh, yes, we must practice safe blood sucking. (laughs) It's not sucking. It's really just drinking. (laughs) They don't bite you and suck it. They like drain your blood or something. Okay, I don't like this conversation. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Source two is energy feeding. This is the most innovative. Hocus pocus, kind of. Yes, exactly. Energy can be pulled from abundant energy like a crowd or individual energy like in hocus pocus. But again, the donor should be asked and be willing to give some of their energy. So hocus pocus did not have it right there. Well, she was a witch. She was not a vampire. vampire. Source three is sexual feeding. This is not what it sounds like. In most cases... I know, I just got very uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. In most cases, the sex act itself is not needed. 
This energy can feed from the initial spark when two people who are attracted to each other meet. Oh. Yep. Another man who identifies as a vampire is Don Henry, and you can see him on videos also. Just Google his name. He admits that he does ingest blood, but he, as well as others, don't prey on victims. Quote, we're quite mature with what we do, he says. We keep things indoors and only drink from consenting donors. I'm trying not to laugh, but you're so mature. You're acting like you're a vampire. No, they, they're not acting. They really... Okay, so what makes them a vampire? Aren't vampires like demons? Aren't vampires... No. They're just people who drink blood? Who... Is that what they... Is that what their mission statement is? Like, I don't know. Oh, let me finish with this interview and then... When interviewing Dawn in Tyra Investigates the Vampire Culture, part one and two, she is a hoot, by the way. Who? Tyra Banks. Is Tyra Banks? Oh, my God. She's the one who did this interview? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to watch that. She is a hoot. She's hilarious. We'll post the links. They're super interesting, and she just makes it even more so, right? So Dawn speaks very openly about the vampire culture. First, a little about how I would describe Don. He and Logan have beautiful, long black hair. Okay. They have fangs. They've shaved their teeth to look like fangs. Yeah. They, they chiseled or whatever they call it. Sharpen and then they put file. They yeah. File, file their but teeth. then they also um, make them longer and then file it. But oh. interesting enough, and I'm pointing and you guys can't see that, but it's not only the canine teeth, there's also a set of teeth behind those so that there's four Ew. on the top, not two. Okay. Okay. And I think it's not Don, but Logan, who I spoke about before, mm-hmm. actually has a business making vampire teeth. Okay. They also both, but especially Don, have long fingernails. I mean, his fingernails were probably an inch, an inch long, if not a little longer, and very well filed. I mean, they weren't gross fingernails. They were just really... Oh, I can't even... I can't function with long fingernails. I, I have can't to keep either, mine but... short. So I don't know of all if all that is indicative of vampires, but those are the traits that those two definitely okay. had. Another thing they have in common is that they both say that they have heightened senses. Logan claims that all his senses are above average. Don admits that his sense of smell is definitely higher than normal. Because of all the blood they drink? And Tyra actually did this experiment. And you can see it when you watch the video. But she has three things covered. And then she covers his eyes and says, okay, what is this? And she picks it up and picks the lid up. And he, chocolate. And I thought, I could probably identify chocolate. Yeah. But then she raises the middle one. And he goes, blood, blood, blood. It's a raw steak, raw meat. It was. It was (gasps) a raw steak. And then the next one, he's like smelling, it's a fruit, it's a, it's a mango. And she goes, she's, she's so funny. She goes, is that a mango? She (laughs) She didn't know. She has the producer. She's like, oh, it is. It's a mango. (laughs) I love mango. Oh, a mango sounds good. But I mean, he's like totally serious. Okay, so Don, he's very slight. He's a very small man. He weighs 125 pounds Mm. with absolutely no body fat. Well, does he eat food? Yeah, he eats. But he says, you know, when you you grab the handles of one of those, I don't know, I've done it once. I had to before my operation, but they were like, you grab the handles, you step on this thing, and it measures your body fat. Okay, yeah. His is always zero. 
there's no it there's nothing there yeah they always have to check the machine to make sure it's working because it just like, never happens but even with 125 pounds this guy is super strong he can lift 200 something pounds and he can leg press 420 pounds if not even more what so i'd say his strength is above normal for a person his size not only his sense of And is that like a sign of a vampire? I don't know. Logan never talked about strength. So so in part two, Don is actually tested by a doctor to see why he craves blood. Isn't that like an illness? Isn't that like a sickness if you crave blood? Or you crave iron. Does that mean you're iron deficient? It totally can be. But his tests were inconclusive. What? Meaning that there really wasn't anything that stuck out. It's just he liked the flavor. (laughs) But it is a true medical fact that some people do crave blood. The only problem is that anyone who drinks blood regularly, and I don't know if that means every day, every For week, every meal, every month. I don't know about that, but they risk a iron overdose. Or I'm going to try this hemochromosis. Never mind. Cross that out. I'm not <laughs> even going to try it. <laughs> So we have iron in our own blood, but then if we consume blood, we add to that iron and our bodies have a hard time getting rid of the extra iron. Hmm. So we got an overload. But even though they didn't talk about this problem, I'm sure both Don and Logan are aware of it as they both take very good care of themselves and they're very mature about what they do. Oh, and just so that you know, before I end this, I just want everyone to know that according to Logan... There are people who identify as werewolves. Oh, I was wondering. (laughs) But the term is extremely offensive. The term werewolf is extremely offensive? The PC term is wolves. And contrary to popular belief, vampires and wolves do get along just fine. In fact, Logan has very good friends who are wolves. So it's not like Twilight. Not like Twilight. Twilight totally got it wrong. Man, I'm trying to keep a straight face. I don't want to offend anybody, but that nope. just is so it's just so different. And they have to acknowledge that what they do is different or else there'd be hundreds of vampires out there walking around. No, they do. They do. And, you know, but uh, I mean, if you watch the video, you'll see that they are very um, I mean, they it isn't a joke to them. They this is really what right. they identify at. So it was very interesting. That was that was all very interesting topic. Justin Bieber and all. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. Yeah, usually these uh, hauntings and paranormal take maybe a day to do. This one took me about four days. Well, when you told me you were still researching the paranormal in Rhode Island, I was like, Mom, what are you (laughs) doing? (laughs) But I get it now. That was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, next week we cover. We're not going very far. We're covering Connecticut. <laughs> no, we're not going very far at all. Our website will have photos and all of the resources from this episode. We'll find links to Tyra Banks' show and everything. I actually really want to watch that now. It's fun. Totally I want to fun. see what these guys look like. Website is www.killerhangover.wordpress.com. You can also find photos and things on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Email us your stories for listeners episodes. We've gotten a few, but we want some more. Remember, Alex reads them first. We don't read them until we read them to you. Yes, he picks which ones we read on the show. So email us your personal true crime and paranormal stories to killerhangoverpodcast at Mm gmail.com. 
Here in the description of this episode, you can find links to our website, a reminder of what our email address is, as well as a link to our Patreon. Please join us there. It's $5 a month, and we got a few little extras heading your way for those patrons on there. Real fast, I did just want to say thank you to everybody that congratulated me on the baby. We're very excited. So thank you. That was really nice of everybody, all the nice messages we got. Yeah, this was another good one, Mom. It was. I'll cheers my Gatorade with (laughs) you. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, Mama. Love you, kid.